Hello, and welcome to the Logistics Management Podcast Series. My name's Jeff Berman. I'm Group News Editor for Logistics Management Magazine and also the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group. Today, it's a real pleasure for me to welcome back Dave Ross to our podcast. Dave serves as Executive Vice President for Roadrunner Freight, a Downers Grove, Illinois-based National Less Than Truckload, or LTL, services provider with a focus on long-haul metro-to-metro shipping. In addition to his role at Roadrunner, Dave also serves as Chief Strategy Officer for Ascent Global Logistics and also as an advisor to Chicago-based Project 44. Prior to his current roles, Dave was Managing Director and Group Head of Stiefel's Global Transportation and Logistics Equity Research Practice. During his tenure at Stiefel, his awards included ranking number one in stock picking multiple times in the Wall Street Journal's Best on the Street Analyst Survey, and also in the Financial Times Starmine America's Top Analyst Report. Dave is the former author of the monthly Cast Transportation Index Report, and he speaks regularly at industry conferences and has also advised supply chain leaders and executives of both public and private carriers, shippers, freight tech companies, and three PLs on operations and strategy. Dave began his career in global invest in the global investment banking division of Deutsche Bank, Alex Brown, where he focused on transportation. And he received his undergraduate degree from Georgetown University. And he also serves on the Ubuntu Council for the Charlize Theron Africa Outreach Project and on the board of directors for the Fountainhead Residency and the Humane Society of Greater Miami. Hey, Dave, welcome back. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be back with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. So, Dave, why don't we just sort of start at the top? Uh, we, we sort of have a fresh start here. We're, we're into January. A um, lot of things going on, as always, when it comes to moving freight, supply chain, logistics. Um, how would you sort of assess or gauge um, the current state of the actual freight economy? Certainly, it's been in slowdown mode. Um, after really a, a, a boom period in uh, you know, 21 and, and, and early 22, um, you know, you just kind of had the, the volumes and the demand uh, supercharged in a period where there was outside economic stimulus uh, that led to more buying of goods um, and, and you know, the structural changes that went on for a temporary period, you know, so I guess temporary structural changes in um, people's behavior and, and buying patterns that, that led to that. And so you, you know, had during you know, that pandemic period, a uh, surge in demand for freight volumes. You, you had capacity somewhat limited. Uh, you saw pricing spike, you saw uh, demand spike, and you know, we're just kind of through the worst of that. And as things have reopened and gotten back to normal, um, you know, not only is there inflation driving lower demand, but uh, a lot of people bought stuff over the last couple of years that they just don't need to buy anymore. A lot of durable goods that were moved, uh, you know, that, that are, you know, on hold now. And so, um, you know, across the board, there's, there's varying degrees of the slowdown, just as there were uh, varying degrees of benefit on the way up. Um, and, you know, with the ISM now being in contraction for the last couple of months, the mm -hmm. manufacturing side is starting to slow. The retail side slowed a little earlier um, as interest rates rose, as you know, inflation hit the consumer. Um, 
but um, but now we're we're generally in slow down mode for the transport. So, you know, we've seen this before. It's a cycle. We, we always go through cycles. I, yes. I tell people that you know, no need to fear the recession. It's it's normal. You know, if you train really hard at the gym for a week, take a day off. Okay, rest. That's fine. To get back in the gym and you know continue to grow and get stronger later. But you yeah. know, it's it's not something to necessarily be concerned about as long as you know what to do with it, right? As long as um, you make it productive and you manage your business and you're not doing anything, um, you know, that, that gets you in trouble. And so it's just a cooling off period. It's a reset period. Um, it's a right sizing period, you know, and, and, and so, you know, the market will shake itself out and there'll be some consolidation. And um, at some point, you know, and, and my crystal ball is as uh, yeah. opaque as yours, I'm sure, but um you know, at some point that will bottom out as well and, and we'll get back to growth again and um, you know, continue on with another cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, so I, I wanted to take a quick step back um, just towards the back half of 2022, Dave, and uh, just specifically in regards to how the 2022 peak season went, in your opinion. Um, obviously, uh, the preceding two years in 2020 and 2021 were a bit different due to the onset of COVID, uh, shifts in demand, shifts in buying powers. Many people viewed, especially uh, 2020 in some cases, as sort of peak season all the time. This year, is, it seemed like there was a bit more of a normal rhythm to it in, in, in a way. And I'm just wondering how you sort of uh, assess taking a quick look back at 2022 peak. Yeah, so, so 2022 peak, um, you know, was was certainly not as crazy as the last couple of peaks. And as you mentioned, the last couple of years, I think you put it well that uh, 21 seemed like a never ending peak season. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you can divide up peak season into uh, various buckets by mode. A lot of times we hear about peak season uh, on the shipping side you know, after Labor Day. Um, on the parcel side between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And the volumes just weren't there this year. Uh, yeah. a, a lot of stuff was you know, either pre-shipped or uh, was impacted by that general slowdown that we saw earlier. You know, and you just didn't see the, you know, the headlines and the chaos. I mean, it was still not easy to get a package delivered around Christmas and you still can't wait until the day before to do it uh, <laughs> because there's just so much volume in general uh, that time of year now. But it wasn't uh, you know, the, the, the pain, it wasn't the, um, you know, insane high degree of difficulty gymnastics that the carriers had to perform. Um, and so we ended the year really with, <laughs> without a lot of shippers up in arms and, and, um, you know, with enough capacity to, to move everything. Yeah, I know it wasn't that long ago that, uh, everyone was reading and talking about volume caps uh, uh, related to peak season because just d due to overloaded networks, I guess I'm talking more specifically on the parcel side in that instance, but um, it definitely had a bit more of a normal vibe. Uh, but as you, as you said, it, uh, it also has, there's a demand related factor there too. And, and speaking of, of demand, Dave, um, it, it, you know, what, what's been happening, and again, 
this was sort of more developing over the back half of the year. We saw some import U.S. bound import declines. That is uh, highlighted, especially in data, for example, from the port of Los Angeles, the port of Long Beach. Um, the always really informative port tracker report issued by the National Retail Federation and Hackett Associates. Hackett Associates, I believe that report actually came out earlier this week. Um, also talked about. Uh, lower volume, lower import volumes to end the year and looking ahead, they're forecasting lower uh, import volumes in the early part of this year. And obviously we have Chinese New Year uh, basically uh, on deck here. Um, so why don't we sort of look at uh, if you had, if you wouldn't mind offering sort of how you view imports and what's going on and also sort of there's been that ongoing shift to the East and Gulf Coast uh, with some shippers hedging their bets, if you will, due to the uncertain West Coast labor situation. Then maybe we can follow up with just a quick look at uh, the inventory, uh, inventory side of it all. Sorry for the long-winded question there. No, it's fine. And, and it's related. Um, so some of the reasons that the imports are slowing is because inventories have been building specifically on the retail side. And, um, you know, I, I think that they continue soft to begin the new year. And, and um, when you look at the large importers, uh, especially some of the big box guys, the retail folks, those were the biggest beneficiaries um, of the pandemic when, when the, you saw their volumes off a of very large basis spike. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so now you're just entering that that comp issue where they don't need as much stuff. They've got stuff inland, you know, at different uh, points of inventory, you know, whether it's at the fulfillment center, at the store level, at a warehouse, or, you know, still sitting in a container in a yard somewhere. Um, and you know, depending on, um, you know, again, what business you're in, I mean, we have some of our customers that are down anywhere from 30 to 50% on yeah. import volumes. Um, and, and so that's, that's a sign, you know, back to our initial discussion about the slowdown that we're in now, uh, that things are slower. And it's fine. It's it's normal, but it's something that you got to deal with. And uh, you know, import volumes. You know, I think you know through the first half of the year are going to be fairly soft. Um, you know, we'll see how inventories trend. You know, so you know, basically, again, the the, the two questions you asked are linked. <laughs> because, yeah. You know, if we have you know inflation start to cool, and if we see for some reason um, demand reaccelerate or pick back up, and inventories get drawn down. Uh, you know, by July, August, more than expected, then we could see an, you know, an increase in the import volume. Uh, that's not my view. I, I don't think that we're going to see uh, a near-term reacceleration of, of demand and, and growth. Um, you know, but I, I think that the volumes will be pretty, pretty soft through uh, 23. And we've already seen that in the rates. I mean, it's, it's been amazing how ocean rates went from you know, a couple thousand dollars a box to twenty thousand dollars a box, and now yeah. back to a couple thousand dollars a box. Um, yeah, and 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 that, that yeah, that's the thing that people that aren't in this industry don't always understand is how quickly things can move uh, in both directions. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a great point. I mean, if you think about it from the COVID perspective, it wasn't all that long ago that retailers were actually chartering entire vessels that, just to get their freight in. Uh, you know, because there's. Um, this due to what was happening with demand patterns, and it's uh, it's it, it, pardon the uh, the lame pun, but uh, the, the tide has really turned, I guess, um, uh, to present day. Um, you know, and, and I want you would you talked a bit about capacity, um, and I was wondering, Dave, if we could shift gears 
um, just for more over the road, when we look at things from the, the, the motor carrier market, truckload and LTL, when we look at it from a, uh, a capacity uh, and slash rates and pricing perspective, um, obviously uh, capacity isn't as tight as, as, it, as it has been. And we saw sort of the shift from those exorbitant spot rates about mid-year last year to the to contract rates gaining steam. Um, how do where do you think things stand now, and, and how does how do things look early into the new year on, on that front? Yeah, so I'll, I'll segment that out into a truckload discussion and an LTL discussion. Yeah, great. Um, great. You know, they're, they're somewhat related, but they they are two distinct markets. When you talk about supply and demand, uh, truckload being much larger, it's over ten times the size of the LTL market. Yeah. Um, and, and that usually dictates overall supply demand in the transportation network. And uh, you know when you know, we had the you know, you know the whole COVID period um, where demand was up and, and capacity was out. Some of that capacity was because drivers weren't driving and nobody knew it was coming in and driver training schools were closed. You couldn't create mm -hmm. new drivers. So you had people leaving the industry at the same time that nobody was being trained to come in and replace them. So that actually further squeezed capacity. And that happened through 2020 and through 2021. But, you know, the rates popped so much in 21 that it started encouraging a lot of you know, new businesses to form and, and, and fleets to grow and, and rates to be where they could actually attract new people into the industry. And so capacity uh, grew, you know, uh, you know, through 2022. Um, and, you know, it's just been a shift of, okay, where are they focused? You know, are they at the ports? Are they, you know, moving over the road? Are they in certain regional markets? Uh, so, so there can be small differences there, um, you know, because a while, for a while, the port congestion was tying up uh, truck capacity because truckers were just yeah. sitting there waiting uh, in line for a chassis or for a container or something along those lines. Uh, and now that things are moving freely again, that's freed up some capacity. And so we saw really, I think it was you know, <laughs> first quarter of last year is when the spot rates start to crack, started to crack. Um, and they've been, you know, pretty low since last spring. And, and uh, you know, we think that you know, we're in a seasonal slow period now, the typical, uh, you know, January, February. Um, and so they're not going to pick up now, but you know, March is you know, kind of the make or break month of the first quarter every year. And so yeah. it'll tighten up a little bit seasonally in March and you know, yeah. dip back down a little bit in April and, and, and you know, be the tightest probably into June. Um, and you know, we don't know where the bottom is, but we're probably closing in on the bottom for truckload rates here over the next six to nine months. Uh, and then we'll improve from there. Um, just a you know, question of you know, what happens on the fuel side, what happens on uh, the regulatory side, that, you know, if anything more with AB5 or something, you know, you know comes up. Um, but, but overall, you know, truckload demand is heavily retail. Uh, and we've already talked about that, how that's fairly soft. And yeah. on the supply side, you're just going to have to see supply right size a little bit, um, you know, to, to get those rates moving again. But on the on the contract side, you know, the carriers have capacity that have been smart about, you um, allocating capacity and, and picking good partners and and not gouging them you know, you know during the upturn they have a little bit better chance of you know keeping their rates uh, flat to, to slightly growing uh, here over the next couple of years you know whether that's mm -hmm. dedicated or even in some of their um, one-way contracts uh, but but there's still pressure on the truckload side for sure on the LTL side this has been a um, a very unique situation in, in transportation as, as a you know, as a mode, because it's um, it sits between you know what I call 
rail and parcel on the industry concentration scale mm-hmm. and truckload on the industry concentration scale where uh, you know parcel and, and the rails are essentially oligopolies or duopolies and truckload is mainly perfectly competitive yeah and ltl is consolidated but not as consolidated as the rails or the parcel side. So there, there is some pricing power, but there's also some elements of, of uh, you know, supply demand and, and market dynamics at play. Uh, but the industry has shown itself to be closer to UPS and FedEx or the rails over the last probably seven years, um, you know, because you know, the, the history of, uh, you know, price wars and, and um, you know, aggressive pricing during downturns to protect volume, uh, we didn't see that in you know the last uh, manufacturing recession or industrial recession that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we go into another industrial recession now, we haven't seen it yet either. Uh, you know, you take out fuel surcharge you know, rates are you know are still generally going higher, um, although not as high as they they were a year ago. Um, right, and that's going to be tested. You know, so I, I don't know how it's going to go over the next uh, you know year, six to nine months, but certainly. We'll see how this industrial recession plays out. If it's a mild one, if it if it gets worse over time, um, you know, because all of that is going to factor into, do we see, you know, rate pressure in LTL more than we saw in the last downturn? Um, and 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 certainly, um, you know, that's going to depend on how everybody, you know in the business acts, you know, yeah. are they willing to sacrifice a lot of rate just to get volume or is price discipline going to remain management's number one directive as we believe it was during the last downturn. Um, so that'll be fun to watch, but uh, there has <laughs> been capacity that's been coming into LTL too. So one of the reasons that LTL was so, so tight and, and so hot um, in 21 uh, and 22 was the infrastructure of LTL wasn't allowed to expand. Um, and, and, you know, if you think about LTL capacity, a lot of the capacity is built around the real estate and the service center level and how many doors you have at, at your different service yeah. centers. And, you know, these things take time, you know, a year, two years, three years, depending on looking to expand where the choke points are in your network, uh, going through local government permitting and, and getting stuff approved, getting contractors and builders to either expand doors at an existing facility or build a new facility or convert another sure. facility somewhere. Um, and you always hear about it being you know, super tight in, in SoCal and Chicago and Jersey uh, is really the markets that it's still almost impossible to find real estate or you're just going to pay through the nose for it. Um, and that has started to I would say loosen up a little bit. So capacity, you know, is now coming on. So it's capacity that, you know, the LTL carriers wanted to add a couple of years ago is now finally coming on. So that's going to be coming on 23 and and 24, uh, just as, you know, we're having a little bit of softness in the industrial economy. So that's why it's a uh, TBD on on the rate side. Yeah, yeah, great points. Um, And just as a quick aside before we wrap up, I have one more uh, question after this, Dave. You had had touched upon fuel. uh, Based on government, the Energy uh, Information Administration's data, diesel has been below the $5 per gallon threshold uh, over the last number of weeks, go back maybe six, eight weeks, something like that. Um, Do you think that that... uh, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, energy markets can be, can be difficult to gauge, uh, of course. But what does that mean for uh, intermodal 
Um, I'm just wondering, does, does that lessen the, uh, the impetus for some shippers maybe to turn intermodal because they're seeing fuel prices on the decline? Or do they still view it maybe as a good alternative, um, not to mention sustainable as well? Well, like you said, uh, who knows on the on the energy pricing side. And so I yeah. don't think that uh, a dip for a couple of weeks is going to have anybody make any big modal changes in their network. The big thing that's been holding intermodal back really for the past couple of years has been the rail networks and the service has been awful. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if the service is awful, it doesn't really matter where diesel is. Uh, it's not a substitute for truck. Mm -hmm. You fix the service and the service is starting to improve on the rails. So the rail service gets back to a certain level. And again, even if diesel doesn't move much lower, intermodal becomes attractive. So I, I think intermodal is a, a very important part of a shipper's portfolio if they, if they move uh, a lot of truckload um, that intermodal in certain lanes you know, you know, could be reliable and could be a, a very cost-effective substitute, but you need to have reliability and you need to have predictability uh, in, in your system. And, and if, the, if the rails can't tell you when it's going to get there or they <laughs> fail to deliver, then you might as well stick with truck. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, and Dave, I just had one more question. It's something I've actually been working on for an article at for logistics management. Um, you know, there's now that we're three years sort of past the onset of, of the pandemic, and we've seen obviously a lot of uh, stuff that we probably have never seen in our logistics and supply chain lifetimes. Um, are shippers sort of, do you, could you see a scenario in which shippers are kind of evaluating how they approach and uh, manage supply chains, right? really from an operational, from a process perspective? I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, uh, do you think we'll see any type of meaningful shifts in things like a, a refocus on supply chain res resilience, for example? Another thing I had in mind was sort of the sourcing uh, element and uh, working with multiple suppliers to sort of hedge yourselves, if you will, and also uh, uh, sourcing uh, locales, regions. You know, maybe we get out of China and we we diversify. We move into Mexico or we move to different parts of Asia. Um, I know it's kind of all over the place with that question, but basically, I'm just kind of wondering about the premise uh, or sort of even a basic outline of a supply chain reset. The question makes sense, and the short answer is yes. Um, so, at Ascent, we held a customer symposium. And, you know, we had, uh, you know, kind of our top 20 customers in the room. And um, one of the customers said that after, you know, 2020 and 2021 and, and early 2022, you know, he, he felt that he was putting out fires for two years. And, mm -hmm. you know, he, he was forced to only be tactical. And he said now um, is the first time that he's really been able to lift his head up and be strategic. So that plays into everything that you just talked about, because lifting your head up and being strategic is saying, okay, how do I uh, make sure that if something crazy happens again, that we're at least better prepared or more nimble? Um, you know, what was out of our control that really we don't need to worry about, because that's something that just didn't have to do with us anyway, what, what was in our control? Um, you know, what software is out there, what systems are out there, what visibility tools are out there, um, you know, did our carrier partners succeed? So it's interesting. I just put a blog post out about this 
uh, yesterday, you know, and, and okay. talks about questions to ask yourself for 2023. And, and I give questions for carriers to ask themselves, for shippers to ask themselves, for 3PLs to ask themselves, for freight tech companies to ask themselves, and also for leaders. And it goes into exactly the strategic reset that you're talking about um, and how to do things differently. So it's not only, okay, uh, what's going on in the market now? Where are we? Uh, what can we focus on? Do some reflection of the past couple of years and, and uh, shore up some weaknesses, but then also, okay, longer term, how do we want to look? And, and, you know, let's try to be strategic about it again, rather than just on our heels and reacting. Okay. Got it. Got it. That, that's terrific. Um, well, look, Dave, we're, we're, this has brought us to the end of our time for today's podcast. Um, on behalf of Logistics Management Magazine and the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group, it's a, I just want to say thanks for joining us again. It was great to have you back. Thanks, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Have an awesome day. Yeah, you too. And listen, everyone in the audience, uh, you can follow Dave on LinkedIn. Just look for Dave David Ross and uh, also check out his, um, his blog entitled Beyond Logistics, which is on Substack. And also, uh, please go ahead and feel free to give us a logistics management a follow. Simply uh, go to... Um, at LogisticsMGMT, that, that's on Twitter, Twitter follow. And uh, please feel free to sign up for our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look for Supply Chain 24-7. Uh, thanks, everybody. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.